Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya. That's Creole for something extra. By all accounts, Eleanor and Franklin Roosevelt were supportive partners and loving companions, but their real-life marriage did not match the carefully crafted image promoted by the White House. Now, Massachusetts author Susan Quinn has focused her latest book on the multiple relationships Eleanor developed outside of her marriage, including her seminal friendship with AP reporter Lorena Hickok. The book, Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady, is our February selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. And Susan Quinn joins me now here in studio. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Glad to be here. You're the author of uh, five books. Some of them are biographies, so this is an area that you uh, work in quite a bit. And looking over the other ones that you've done, was this one just uh, stood out in any way, um, this, this particular biography? Well, in biography? some ways, it's like the others because I've written primarily about strong women, and here I am writing about two of them. My first book was about a, a psychoanalyst, a rebel psychoanalyst named Karen Horney, who took issue with a lot of Freud's ideas. Then I wrote about Marie Curie, wrote most recently about the Federal Theater Project, and that was headed by a terrific woman named Hallie Flanagan. So this is kind of where I seem to dwell in terms of strong women. But this one, of course, had special challenges and rewards mm. because it's about two women, and it's about a love affair. And it's about one of the women we think we know, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. So why don't we start on the other side of the equation, and that's with uh, Lorena Hickok, and tell us who she was. Lorena Hickok was a top AP reporter, and the connection she made with Eleanor was through being a reporter. She was assigned to cover her during the 1932 campaign. She had a background entirely different from Eleanor Roosevelt. She grew up in South Dakota, living in small towns along the rail, railway with, with a, a father who was abusive, uh, who actually beat her with barrel staves uh, when she was a child. And at 14, she was kicked out of the house and on her own, worked as a, what was called a girl in other people's houses, barely made it through high school. At the same time, was obviously enormously intelligent and a big reader, and that out of that grew this career in, 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 in the newspaper business, first in Minneapolis and then uh, with the AP in, in the big city in New York. Um, she fought her way into the ranks of those reporters to, and was doing well, was considered a really excellent reporter. She was, indeed. She, she covered big stories like the Lindbergh kidnapping, for instance. So uh, the, actually being assigned to Eleanor, she wasn't so sure at first. And Eleanor wasn't so sure either. Eleanor was very wary of reporters. She felt that a lady shouldn't really talk to the press. Uh, and Lorena uh, Hick, as she, Hick, she was known to everybody, um, Hick really didn't want to cover a first lady because she didn't want to be relegated to the women's page. But she quickly realized that this was not 
the usual first lady. And uh, before long, she became really fascinated with Eleanor and then and then some. So what what do you think? Um, well, explain how, as you have explained in the book, what drew them together initially? Because here you set up the scenario where, you know, Hick didn't want to be covering the first lady. And she even though she came to rec- recognize that she was different and certainly Eleanor Roosevelt didn't like the press and this woman was totally different from her. What what drew them together? In the beginning, I think it was Hicks' story. Eleanor was attracted to people who had had struggle in their lives, and Hicks' story was so dramatic that I think it attracted her in the beginning. And I think for Hick, it was a sympathy with Eleanor at a really difficult time. Eleanor, surprisingly, did not want to be First Lady. She had this independent life that she'd forged after her marriage changed into a platonic kind of partnership. Uh, so she'd forged this separate life of uh, teaching and writing, and she's very involved in New York politics. She did not want to come back to D.C., which was the scene of the affair of 1918 with Lucy Mercer that had really kind of ended her marriage. That's which, Franklin Roosevelt, her husband's affair exactly, with Lucy Mercer. Franklin mm-hmm. Roosevelt's affair with Lucy Mercer, 1918, and that was a turning point in her life, a point at which she realized she was going to forge her own way, independent way, and she'd done that successfully. So going back to Washington brought up painful memories for her. Also, she just didn't want to do all those things that first ladies have to do, all those ceremonial things. So Hick figured that out, was one of the few reporters to kind of understand that and be empathic with it. And so because of those those things and that critical kind of moment, they got closer and closer. My guest is Susan Quinn. She's the author of Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady. It's our February selection for Bookmark, the Under the Radar Book Club. I wonder if you'd read this uh, passage. This is early on in the book, and we can start to get a sense of their relationship. This beginning on page 22. One thing became clear to Hick during her weeks as Eleanor Roosevelt's constant companion. The complete story of her life couldn't be told without hurting her and her family. It was going to take a skilled and careful hand to introduce this unusual woman to the public. Lorena Hickok, who had her own secrets, was ideally suited to the job. At some point during their journeys, Eleanor must have sensed this. By the time the two of them returned from Potsdam on the train, Eleanor was no longer treating Hick as a dangerous journalist. In fact, she was beginning to see her in an entirely different light, as the person who might be able to fulfill her longing for affection and understanding at a daunting moment in her life. There was only one room for the two of them on the train, a drawing room with a single berth and a long, narrow couch. Eleanor insisted on giving Hick the berth and taking the couch for herself. I'm longer than you are, she explained, and, she added with a smile, not quite so broad. They talked long into the night, sharing stories of their childhoods, seemingly so different but alike in their misery. Hick told Eleanor about her violent and abusive father and her teenage years as a maid in other people's houses. Eleanor told Hick about her disapproving mother, about the tragic death of her father, whom she adored, about life in the home of her strict grandmother, and about the aunts who called her the ugly duckling. Hick asked, "'May I write some of that?' Eleanor replied, if you like, I trust you. 
So that really sets you up to understand how how close they became and how and then it just grew and intensified over the years. Um, they had a, a three decade relationship. Oh, I should say that's an excerpt from Eleanor and Hick, the love affair that shaped a first lady. And in the papers of Franklin Roosevelt, they found these eighteen boxes of letters between the two. Initially, there were some by the people that first discovered the letters. There's been some disagreement about whether these letters indicated a love affair. You're saying it right out there in your title. This was a love affair. And tell me why. Well, uh, I, the letters of those first four years, they were apart a lot. As, and there are 3,000 letters, first of all. And they wrote to each other every day and sometimes twice a day. And the letters are a combination of um, reporting, really vivid reporting on what was happening out in the country by Hick and expressions of longing and affection, wanting to be together, imagining when they're back together. There are lines like, I missed you so much tonight that I couldn't hold you, but I kissed the corner of your mouth instead. Of Things that aren't just um, women being effusive. They, they're, they're about a, a touching and holding and loving and needing each other. Uh, and so I, I, I am convinced it was a love affair, especially for about the first four or five years. And then it changed. Well, you know what's interesting about it is that when this was first thought out and put it sort of out there in the in the in the history universe, if you will, and and to, for people to discuss, a lot of people have a hard time getting their heads around it because what you're saying is that Eleanor and uh, Lorena Hick were involved in a lesbian relationship, and a lot of people, including one of her grandsons, just insists that that couldn't happen because, as he said she didn't like physical intimacy. So they may have been close, he said. Maybe they had kissed a little bit, but not anything that went beyond that. How how do you uh, push against that? Well, of course, we'll never know mm-hmm. what went on between them. And I don't imagine that they had wild sex because I think Eleanor just wasn't capable of that with anyone. Uh, her children said, you know, she never really could hold them or hug them. So, but I think this, that one of the things that I discovered that I was, I thought very important and telling was that many, many of Eleanor's friends, closest friends were in lifetime relationships with other women. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially mm-hmm. Nan and Marion, with whom she founded this little cottage industry called Valkill in Hyde Park, and they made furniture. Uh, and that was a project she did with Nan and Mary, and they were life partners. And uh, there were other couple, women couples in her life who were her most important, closest friends. So this was not unfamiliar to her. Uh, so uh, there's that context. There's also the fact that Hick was a lesbian and had been in a long-term relationship before and then after Eleanor in in at least one other. So that was a familiar territory for her. I think um, uh, that Eleanor was looking for and needed affection. And there's all kind of evidence that they loved spending these times together. They had these in the beginning when well, before Eleanor got very famous, they took these wonderful road trips uh, and it's pretty clear that they, like a lot of other women, um, took to the road because that was a place where they could be intimate and not be uh, scrutinized. So there's all of all of that, uh, which makes me it convinces me that it was a love affair. And I say, uh, so what? You know, I think it's great. Eleanor, of course, is, is seen now as this woman who, in her little hat and her, you know, her purse and her sensible shoes, and and as this very dignified person. I, in fact, I just heard that the Episcopal Church is thinking of making her into a saint. Wow. <laughs> Which I think Eleanor would hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we do, you know, we have idealized her to such a point and put her on such a pedestal. We can't imagine her, you know, actually uh, having a good time in bed with somebody. But I think I think they did. Hmm. Um, 
Now, what I also took away from your book that I thought was interesting, because the book is, and my guest is Susan Quinn, author of Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady. Um, If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, and I'm Callie Crossley. So all of the words of the title mean something. It was a love affair, but it's the part about shaping a first lady that also struck me, because what I learned in your book is that Eleanor was kind of, it took her a minute to get to the Eleanor that we know, that she was a little holding back, and Hick was pushing her, you know, step up, speak up, get, get yourself together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we forget that Eleanor evolved, and more than most people, I mean, over her lifetime, she'd made amazing changes. Early on in her marriage, you know, she wouldn't play cards because ladies didn't play cards. She was actually, um, wasn't sure how she felt about women's suffrage, even, women voting, you know. So then she she really, really grew and developed. And, and Hick, during this period did help her, and that, yes, I uh, we thought a lot about this title, and uh, you know it's not claiming that that Hick made Eleanor altogether, but around the time she became first lady, Hick really helped her by, first of all, encouraging her to have these all women press conferences, which was brilliant because it meant that press organizations had to hire women, mm-hmm. and Eleanor befriended them all, and they became her great champions, which is part of how she became so beloved, and Hick also was the one through their letters and through Eleanor's kind of recording her daily events, Hick, she and Hick got the idea for the My Day column, um, which Eleanor wrote six days a week for the rest of her life. Um, and that introduced her to the country in a really intimate way and uh, was part of what made her this really beloved legend and, in the end, first lady of the world. So those were things that Hick, Hick did right in the beginning, including and also writing about Eleanor uh, in her early days at AP, and and as I uh, that that uh, little reading suggests, shaping who Eleanor was without revealing some of the family secrets, which which would have been devastating. So as I learned in the book, because of course I had only knew you know sort of anecdotally that she had this relationship. I too believed that it was one of uh, intimacy. But I didn't know that it didn't last long, or it didn't seem to, or it or it took on a different shape. Talk about that, if you will. Yes, it didn't last long. Hick would have liked it to last forever, and she would have liked Eleanor to be her one and only, and imagine them going off and living in a little cottage somewhere together. But it wasn't going to happen with Eleanor. She, she was never actually able, you know, to have only one relationship. She had so many people around her, and that, of course, got more and more true as time went on. Hick was insanely jealous and possessive, uh, and there was a point at which it looked like, in fact, the relationship might just blow apart completely. Uh, And at that point, Hick wisely kind of absented herself and traveled for several months and kind of got herself under control, and at that point accepted that the relationship was going to be a a deep friendship, but it wasn't going to be the love affair of her life. Uh, And... uh, they both they both moved on. Certainly, Eleanor moved on. Hick, with difficulty, moved on. She had other, other women, but in her life, but never, never anything like Eleanor. So it did change. But the, the letters continued. The support continued. Eleanor continued to confide in Hick, uh, and even when Hick was uh, hitting rock bottom and not being able to kind of support herself. Um, Eleanor was there for her. Now, one of the things that I didn't get a good sense of from your book is whether Franklin Roosevelt, her husband, had any sense of their relationship at any point, whether during the love affair point of it or even later, you know, the depth of it. Right. 
I think Franklin definitely knew about this relationship and others of all these women about around Eleanor, who he sometimes called her she-males mm. uh, in a derogatory way. But uh, when they built, he helped with the design of Valkyll, and when they dedicated it, he, he called it the love nest. Interesting. So he was aware of these things. Uh, and I think as long as it didn't get public... Um, he really didn't care. In some ways, it got him off the hook because he continued to have these flirtations and affairs throughout his presidency. Uh, and, of course, in the end, he was w- with Lucy Mercer when he died. So, uh, you know, he was. they led separate lives. They mm. never traveled together. They never vacationed together. Uh, they were partners only. Uh, so he was... I think just fine with it, as long as it, as I say, as it didn't become a public scandal. Now, Susan, I read that you had a personal reason for wanting to to write about this particular relationship in this in in this book. My daughter Anna is queer. She has a partner, and they have a child. And uh, I feel that she's really found happiness in this relationship she has. So, so for me, uh, you know, I've sort of I've come to accept it and to appreciate it. And I think because of because of my daughter, I've, I've I see it all differently. So what do you think, young and I brought that up because what do you think young women of this time now, um, looking at uh, a different kind of Eleanor Roosevelt through this book, can take away from the book? But, you know, very different from what our impressions of her have been up to date. I mean, you know, I, Blanche Wiesencook has written some about this as well, but... but uh, we're moving in a different direction than initially the way that she was portrayed. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it's, it makes her human, you know, and uh, I think it, it takes her off her pedestal. And I, I, I think it makes it makes me admire her even even more. I'm talking about Eleanor now. Um, and it also introduces us to a, a, a really terrific and important character of the New Deal, Lorena Hickok, who I think has gotten short shrift. And I think most other people, when they write about her, they just in the past have written about her only in the context of Eleanor. So, you know, when the relationship cools down with Eleanor, she kind of dis appears from other books. So I decided to keep my focus on both of them all the way through. Uh, and I think that changes the story and allows us to really appreciate Hicks' courage of, you know, she actually chose to leave the AP and a profession she really loved, the only thing in her life she sometimes said that she was good at, because of her love for Eleanor. And uh, she never regretted it, so she said, but we see that it had consequences for her um, and I have a lot of admiration for her and for her writing, which is terrific about the Depression, and for her uh, for her courage. Yeah, you have a lot of fabulous uh, historic details in this book, um, and uh, and I am you know thrilled to read them because I didn't really know that much about Lorena. I mean, I knew generally, but I didn't know really about her, as you say. Um, what do you think uh, that most people will take away from this book now, this revisioning of Eleanor, this, um, yeah, just a revisioning of Eleanor Roosevelt? Well, I think just that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope. Uh, of the two of them, uh, it's especially, it's very timely right now because I've, I've just been sort of rereading the end of the book where Eleanor becomes very involved with refugee issues and with human rights That's right. yeah. and is really the principal author, most important author of the Declaration on Human Rights, uh, which uh, we should all maybe reread right now because it's being violated by these Trump policies in a major way. If Eleanor were here, she would be outraged for sure. Uh, 
and uh, so that you know that that person, Eleanor, I think it can be a role model. Also, she never quit on any of her issues, you know, on on, on racism, particularly you know where she was so outspoken and courageous, and where she kept coming back and coming back. And, Much uh, to Franklin's sometimes annoyance because oh, she yes. kept nagging him yes, about stuff. Yes, absolutely. She <laughs> was know? the she was the uh, champion nudge of all times, you know. Uh, and that's what we need right now. I feel is that kind of fighting spirit that she had. I agree with you. Any one thing that you found surprising from all of the research and work you did on this story? Uh, well, I I would say that uh, what I mentioned before about all these women, you know. Um, uh, it, it, we we forget about these very influential women who came out of the suffrage movement, really, and who were Eleanor's partners. And many of them had come from the Seven Sisters schools, you know, from yeah, that whole tradition. I'm a Wellesley grad. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Steve Bannon, I don't know if you know this, has disparaged the Seven Sisters yes, schools. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I say more power to them and to these strong women who loved each other. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Susan Quinn. It's a fabulous book, and uh, I'm delighted that uh, I was able to read it and and re-envision not just Eleanor Roosevelt, but a very special friend of hers, um, Lorena Hickok. Massachusetts author Susan Quinn's latest book is Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady. It's our February selection for Bookmark, the Under the Radar Book Club. Well, that's it for this edition of Under the Radar. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show and links to stories we discussed today on the web at news.wgbh.org and on the WGBH app. And listen again through the UTR podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugertz. Andrea Aswahi is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.